Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. I've been thinking about the church just recently, how Jesus died for the church. And um, our Alpha course at the moment, you know, it's teaching us um, about love and about the marriage course. Who's enjoying that? Yeah. Isn't it great? The material, the resource, the tooling that we're getting, the, I don't know, the conviction that's also been awoken. The arguments that have ensued that have brought about peace and harmony in the home or are still going to bring out peace and harmony in the home. <laughs> church of Jesus Christ. It's interesting, a lot of people leave churches to go to another church because they disagree with that church and then they find another one. But you get this, we don't actually, it's still the church. You're just hanging around with a different group of people, you know, like we're still the church. And that's why we find it so easy to bless people and release them if God calls them somewhere else. We don't go, no, 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 you've got to stay here and you've got to do your job here. That, that job's too good. We don't want to share that with anyone else. No, we release. We, we, <laughs> we're so short-sighted sometimes, aren't we? Guess what today is? Okay, guess what else today is? <laughs> You're not going to get this. Came up on my, my, my beautiful Apple information bar that pops up the top, and I'm like, how do I get rid of that thing? Um, Harmony Day. Oh, of course, you all go, oh, yeah. It's Harmony Day again. Who's even heard of Harmony Day? Okay, a few of you. You get that little tag as well, do you? Uh, Schools talk, probably talk about it. Since 1999, the UN has established Harmony Day. So we're in, you know, the, either the 21st or the 22nd, counting back, um, Harmony Days that we've had. I don't know what you think of the UN. A lot of people say the UN, yeah, New World Order. The UN, especially the Pentecostals, we really like to you know, get our eschatology about there. Where's the beast? Where's the Antichrist? Well, the Antichrist is, it's amongst us. It's amongst us. And why am I talking like this? Because eschatology is actually a really important aspect of our lives as believers. Believe, believe this or not, we've been given the, the end time story. We've been given it. And, there's, and not only that, in the book of Revelation, there's a blessing for those who read it. But it's not just in the book of Revelation. It's right throughout Scripture. Everywhere you go looking. Right across the road from the UN in New York, there is a, this giant piece of granite that they have carved a Scripture into. It is Isaiah 2. It's Isaiah 2. <laughs> it's Isaiah 2. And, um, and it's... The quote is, they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. This is the foundation of what the UN was established on, on bringing peace, not having a world war, <laughs> not having any more wars. That was a, through diplomacy, which works as humans, doesn't it? Through diplomacy and, and, and reasoning with one another, we won't have wars. 
course that's going to work, isn't it? Who wouldn't, who wouldn't take up reason? Who wouldn't like submit to a, a greater argument and a better impartation of wisdom you know, from someone else? It was established on the promise of God that in the last days, because if you go on to, well, just before this, it says in Isaiah 2.2, in the last days, say last days. That's very important this morning. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. It says that they will come to it, that they will say, they'll be happy to come to the mountain of the house of the Lord. It will be the greatest mountain amongst, you know, all the mountains. Men's mountains, industries mountains, nations mountains, everything that's been established, this, is, this will be the greatest. The word mountain means the thing that you have promoted most. It's the, the, um, the act of, or, or the fact of being raised in position or rank. What you have lay, raised in position or rank or what you have further to grow or develop or establish something in your life, that's a mountain in your life. What you focus on, what you promote is a mountain in your life. So the mountain of the house of the Lord, the thing that you promote about that, the the kingdom, that's why Jesus said, this is how we pray. Your kingdom come, your mountain, your promotion, your establishment, your growth, your development in my life from heaven be established in my life. And it talks about nations here. When we think nations, what do we normally, what do we immediately think when when the scripture says nations? We think countries, countries. But countries are just boundaries where nations live where cultures live but now we live in this global community where what really what is a nation what 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 are we really talking about what is a nation made up of is it is it just the land where they are no because when they go to another country are they do they leave that na- that country behind no they they bring that culture with them nation is made up of well done you switched on few of you some of you weren't worried. I'm not sure how we went. Isn't it embarrassing when you, you you got such a conviction what the answer is when someone asks it from a stage and you yell it out or is this just me and you get it wrong? <laughs> Nations are made up of, I don't know what, tractors, you know, like. <laughs> Phil Grayling thinks they are. He's not here. Shh. If you see his shed, he's got so many tractors. He loves collecting old tractors, sees an old tractor in somebody's paddock, goes and buys it off and brings it home, does it up. I want to get some of his tractors. In, in Joel, so this is Isaiah in the last days. In Joel, it also prophesies some pretty profound things. It starts, oh, in Isaiah, it talks about, you know, they're going to, they're going to come to the, to the mountain of the house of the Lord and he says, and he's going to teach us and we're going to be hungry to listen and we're going to be hungry to learn and we will not train for war anymore. The, the, the whole thing of the war industry dies. War industry. And we think that's, uh, you know, armaments and, you know, 
ordinance and all that. No, no, no. We have the, the weapons of the industry of war within us as well, in individuals, because nations are made up of individuals. In the book of Joel, another prominent book of prophecy, God says, I'll send rain in season. I'll send new grain, new wine, new oil. I will repay what has been devoured by the locusts. There'll be plenty to eat. There'll be no more shame. And then comes this next prophecy in, Acts, uh, sorry, in, in Joel. Um, I think it's Joel 2 as well. But in Acts 2, he, this is Peter speaking these words out after the Holy Spirit has descended on him. And he says, in the last days, say last days. God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women. This was a total culture shift. This was a total change of stuff. It was an honor. You had to be in an office to be a prophet. You had to be in an offer. You, you had to be special like Joseph or like Daniel to be able to get dreams and visions. You had to be an Elijah or an Elisha to prophet, prophesy or a, or a Joel or an Isaiah or an Amos or whatever. But now God says, no, I will, I will put this in your mouth. I will, I will your sons and daughters, uh, what you envision as being the lowest, I'm going to do it. Even on servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. That doesn't sound real pleasant, does it? But this is happening right now. This is happening right now. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name, I love this, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, sozoed, whole, complete. What a profound word that is. In chapter 3, it goes on to say in, in Joel, in those days and at that time, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Valley of Jehoshaphat is the valley of judgment, of of decision. I will bring the nations to a valley of decision, from the mountains to a valley of decision. And there in that valley of decision, in Joel 3.10, it says, Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. And let the weakling say, I am strong. So you've got Isaiah saying, and, and this was, um, what's his name? Chris Valaton was talking about this recent, recently on Bethel Podcasts and Bethel TV. And I'm like, and I started thinking about it. And uh, eschatology is, is our understanding and our study of the end times, the last days. We're in the last days days everything that we're was seeing at the moment Jesus foretold he said these things are going to happen there's going to be earthquakes there's going to be tumultuous storms Sydney knows what it's like at the moment I got see the house floating down the river it's funny but that's someone's house you know like the cats in there going hey you know (laughs) I don't like this (laughs) But we're given such an incredible um, insight into it. And there'll be plagues, Jesus said. And then we're shocked when it happens. And we go, "How? where is God in all this? And God says, I am right here. I am right here. But 
this example here, okay, Isaiah, you're going to take your, your swords and you're going to beat them into plowshares and you're going to take your pruning hooks and you're going to beat them in, oh, sorry, spears and you're going to beat them into, in, into pruning hooks. And Joel says in the same time, in, in the last days, you're going to take your plowshares and beat them into swords and your pruning hooks and beat them into spears. And you go, this is where people go, contradiction, see? The Bible doesn't know what it's talking about. On the surface, you would say, how can it be in the last days, one guy saying, you're going to be turning your weapons into, into um, harvest equipment. And the other one says, you're going to turn your harvest equipment into weapons. Prepare for war. Prepare for peace. How can these two things coexist in the same realm at the same time um, and be true? Which is right? Which is wrong? Either, either, neither, neither. So what is it? And I, I started thinking about the parable of the sower and how we would, you know, I'd never heard anyone really, and I'm sure there are people that have, I just haven't heard them. We always thought that it was like, yeah, there are some people that are hard and there's some people that have got weeds and stuff and some people have got stones and rocks and then there's the good soil and we've got the good soil. We don't have any of that stuff. We've got the good soil. And God says, no, no, you can, all be, you can have all these soils in your life. You can reject the, the word when it comes to you. You can grab it with joy and, and because you've, you've got rocks and stuff in there, you know, when the pressure and the trials come because of the word, because of that conviction that you've got in God, because when you get a conviction in God, there's a responsibility then to work it out. That's why Jesus said, I tell you parables so that if you are listening, you'll hear. Because if you get, if you get this knowledge, you've got to do something with it. And I only want to give it to those people that are really desperate to change their lives because it's about changing our lives it's not about nations changing it's about individuals changing and this is where we are now the temple we are the living temple of the holy spirit the temple of the mountain the mountain of the temple of you know what i'm talking about yes got the right right one there Isaiah says the, the Lord's temple is going to be the highest mountain that there's going to be rivers flowing to all the nations everyone you know Say, let's go to that mountain. Let's, let's, not, let's have peace. We're not going to have war anymore. Swords into plowshares, spears into pruning hooks. Joel, you know, plowshares. In, and, I, and I started thinking about this. There's, is there a greater depth here? Is there a greater depth than just looking at it superficially? One's about peace. One's about war. God, what are you really saying here? Isaiah 1.17 says, learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. If you look at later on in the New Testament, it talks about this is pure righteousness, sorry, pure religion, looking after the defenseless, doing good, looking after the defenseless. Isaiah saying here, learn to do right, seek justice in your life, not just getting, you know, winning the argument, getting justice for your household, getting justice for those around you. That means having win win. Not just win-lose. You know, you, you, you're, you want to win, but someone else has to lose. How do you get a win-win? Jesus was all, always about doing good to everyone that he met. This whole aspect here is, 
is based on, on love. Love is the fulfillment of the a law. Jesus, when he catches when that woman's caught in adultery, he had every right to be the one to stone her. He's the only one. Let let you who has no sin throw the first rock. He's the only one that could have done that. And when he says, "Where are your condemners?" she says, "I have none." He goes, "Neither do I condemn you." And he fulfilled the law with love. He could have he could have actually enacted the law, but he fulfilled the law with love. This whole area here, and I, oh, yeah, I'll just, re- I'll just go through it as I've received it from God. There's so many scriptures to talk about love. I, yeah, I don't know if you, if I asked you, what's a scripture on love? Just give me a scripture on love. Most would say, oh, you know, 1 Corinthians 30. You know, love is patient, love is kind. But it, before that, it says, you know, even though, you know, prophecies, even though I speak in the language of heaven and earth but if I don't have love I'm just like "Mm, clang 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 I'm making a noise getting attention but I'm not actually doing anything with that I'm just annoying people with that but with love it changes stuff so here's some here's some scriptures that I don't know I looked for obscure ones you know not the normal run-of-the-mill ones you know God is love you know but but 1 John 4, 12. No one has ever gazed upon the fullness of God's splendor. But if we love one another, God makes his permanent home in us, his temple, his dwelling place in us. And we make our permanent home, our dwelling place in him. And his love is brought to its full expression in us. His love becomes our mountain, our promotion, our endeavour, our generation, what we generate, it becomes the driving factor behind what we do. Not getting our way, not getting our opinion, not getting, you know, but actually getting justice for everyone and it's through love. Ephesians 4, 2-3 says, With tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another, especially towards those who made it, Try your patience. That never happens, does it? Never. Those that try your patience. Be faithful to guard the sweet harmony. There we go. Harmony day. That sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace. In what keeps us together. Not what when we push apart and we, we put up walls like... Oh, I know I've been talking to some people and I've said something that they didn't like and it's just like straight away, almost like cone of silence. But it works. And you just don't hear it, not like, you know, get smart where it never worked. You know, like it actually, this comes down and the walls come down and and we're not in those bonds of peace anymore. A wall's gone up. But it's an individual choice to do that. The valley of decision. The valley of decision. 1 John 4. I know I read 12 out before, but now following on with 13. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the saviour of the world. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for, has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in, <laughs> lives in love lives in God and God in them. Doesn't that sound good? We want this. I'm telling you now, you want this. You want God to live in you and you to live in God. You might think, no, no, I've got other things that are busy, you know, that are my objective, that are my mountain at the moment. That's what the mountain I'm looking at. I'm going up that mountain. And God's saying, no, no, come and dwell in me. Come and live in me. Because my mountain's the highest one. It produces justice. It produces peace. It produces joy. My mountain overflows with this river that affects everyone else around it so that they say, hey, I want to go up that mountain because of what's flowing from that mountain. So, plowshares. What do plowshares do? Well, you get dividends from them every year. Um, you buy them on the stock market, don't you? Plough shares? No, it, it's a plough. In whatever form, a shovel can be a plough. You know, whatever form it is, it's something to break up the soil. To break up the soil to get ready to receive the seed. Did you like my pause then? You know, <laughs> soil, the soil of our lives. Plowshares are so good. Because they break up the soil ready to receive. Oh, we bought this new um, rotary hoe. Haven't got to use it yet because I've got so many other jobs on my list at the moment. But I've got this rotary hoe and I can't wait to use it. It's a really powerful looking thing. It, it was, you know, I checked it all out and it's just sitting in the shed gathering dust at the moment. But for some reason it was important to get it at the time. Um, Now I have the buyer's remorse. <laughs> Plowshares are for cultivating the soil to receive the seed so that we can produce fruit. Pruning hooks, what do pruning hooks do? Seconders, they cut away dead stuff that aren't producing fruit anymore or, you know, still produce a little bit of fruit, but if you trim it correctly you'll get even more fruit off other branches in your life. Pruning hooks are for cutting off dead stuff. For the word of the Lord is alive and powerful and sharp for cutting off stuff, for trimming off flesh. Swords, immediately. Okay, you think plowshares, pruning hooks, harvest. That's what they're for. Plowsh oh, sorry, swords, spears, Death, harvest, war, peace. Oh, I messed that up, didn't I? <laughs> war. Whoa, whoa, what is it good for? <laughs> Swords and spears, instruments of death, we think. Ah. Then why would God talk about them? In a way, you've rallied the mighty warriors, tell them to get there, to take these instruments of harvest and turn them into weapons so that you can fight. Because we're, 
we think immediately, that means we're going to be in a physical fight. No, 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 no. Because we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against principalities and powers. We fight against arguments and atmospheres and attitudes. That's what we actually tearing down every vain imagination and everything and make it subject to what Jesus said. Make it subject to what the Word of God says over our life. So sword. Sword, of course, means a, a sword, an axe, a knife, a cutting instrument. It actually means in the, in the root word in the Hebrew to kill or decimate by parching through drought, to desolate, destroy, to dedicate. Swords in our life, are they necessarily to use on one, one another or to use on ourselves to, to cut off some areas in our life that need to dry up and die off? that are taking too much of our life source, taking too much of our attention, taking too much of our, even in the spirit, you know, atmospheres and attitudes that prevail in our homes or prevail in our minds, or taking the sword of the spirit, cutting it off, severing these things from our life. Could these be happening at the same time as we're using harvest equipment, that we're actually using this stuff in a beneficial way? Spears mean a lance. It also, in its root word, means to pitch a tent. You'll get this in a minute. Lance, the incline and decline, like the slanting rays of the evening sun. To pitch a tent generally means to encamp, to abide, to dwell, to grow to an end, to rest. Sounds like it's a weapon that's going to be used to kill, but it's actually a weapon of abiding, a weapon of living. This is something that is a covering over us so that we can rest. All these things, whether it be a plowshare, pruning hooks, spears or swords, are all to do with one thing. That is killing old cultures, old mindsets, and killing the old man. Putting to death our carnal nature so that, and putting on the spirit. That's what it says in Ephesians 4. In regard to your former self, put it off. And your new self, put on the spirit. Put off your old self and put it on the spirit. So I'm now going to read out of Ephesians 4. Oh, am I minus 31 minutes? No. I've got five minutes. What are you talking about? I'm doing great. I'm praying you get revelation out of this in whatever area you need to. This is what's beautiful about the Word of God. The Holy Spirit can speak to us in whatever area He needs to, and we're all individual. We're all different, but we're all the same. He cares for us. He cares for us so much that he says, hey, I've got plowshares and pruning hooks. I've got spears where you can dwell and rest. And I've got swords that you can let some areas of your life dry up. You can prune those areas. You can use the pruning hooks to deal with some stuff. Because when you get the knowledge of the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, you've got to be responsible and do something with it. Who's heard the of the Holy Spirit? Or the, uh-huh, uh-huh, finally, he's got it. 
I had a couple of those during the week. And I keep saying, Holy Spirit, keep talking, keep talking. I want to, I want to list, I want to tune my ear. I want to have clear eyes, tuned ear, open heart, ready to hear. This is what Jesus was talking about. Ready to hear. See so a parable. Ephesians 4:17 in the Passion Translation. Who's got time to read through this now? It's a long one. Where is it? Here we go. So I want to speak this out this morning because I actually couldn't find a better example of where we are right now and instruction during this time in accordance with these prophecies of end times in the last days. Say last days. You're in the last days. Whether or not we will see the end of the age, I don't know. But Jesus said you won't know the day or the hour, but you'll be able to tell by the seasons. And the seasons are showing us that we're in the last days. Verse 17 of Ephesians 4, it says, So with the wisdom given to me from the Lord, I say, you should not live like unbelievers around you who walk in their empty delusions. Their corrupted logic has concluded because their hearts, so, sorry, are clouded because their hearts are so far from God. <laughs> I need another drink here. From God, nailed it. Their blinded understanding and deep-seated moral darkness keeps them from the true knowledge of God. Because of spiritual apathy, they surrender their lives to lewdness, impurity, and sexual obsession. Does that sound anything like today? Verse 20, but this is not the way of life that Christ has unfolded within you. I love this, has unfolded within you. See, the, the pattern of the world is that we have governments, we have laws, we have officers of that law, and they make us change by our behavior on the outside. Whereas the word of God has swords and spears and pruning hooks and um, plowshares to change us from the inside. But this is not the way of life that God has unfolded within you. It starts from the inside. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Verse 21, if you have really experienced the anointed one and our prayer, my prayer, I want to experience, I want to have encounters with the anointed one, with the Christ, and heard his truth, it will be seen in your life. For we know that the ultimate reality is embodied in Jesus. And he has taught you to let go of the old lifestyle of the ancient man, the old self-life, which was corrupted by sinful and deceitful desires that spring from delusions, from lies, from cons, from the father of lies. Oh, it's all around. It's everywhere. But can I just... Hold at this point, we can miss Joel's prophecy and we can take up our weapons and start saying, these delusions, these cons, we've got to fight them. We've got to fight the pattern of the world. No, no, no. We've got to, we've got to resist the devil and we've got to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We're not called to be protesters. We're called to actually be pray, prayer warriors. 
My house will be a house of protest. No, my house will be a house of prayer. Go to prayer. Go to prayer. People say, oh, we missed our opportunity to protest about this law being changed. No, go to prayer. Go to prayer. The song hasn't finished singing yet. The fat lady hasn't stopped. We're not at the end yet, but we're in the last days. So don't get deluded by thinking you've got to fight and attack because it's through the love people are going to, through this overflow of love, this embodiment of love in our lives, we're going to change things. See, when Jesus came, they got it. They go, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ after Peter says it. And they're going, wow, you're going to come into your glory and you're going to beat the Romans. And Jesus says, I'm going to show you a better way. I'm going to show you a higher way. We're going to love the hell out of them. But Jesus, surely we're going to need to fight them. I mean, we're going to defeat them. And how many, how many swords will we get? I, I don't know. Get a sword, Peter. Okay. That's enough, Peter. That's enough swords. I've got a couple. That's enough swords. That's all we need. Just so you feel secure. Just so you can chop a bloke's ear off and then I can slap it back on as a miracle in the garden. Where did that guy go? He was a temple guard. He had his ear severed off which I'm sure isn't just a small thing. Ear, today, gone tomorrow. You know, like, and he whacked it on. (laughs) I've been working on that all morning. Verse 23. (laughs) Now it's time to be made new. By every revelation, every piece of knowledge that's been given to you. And to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within as your new life. And live in union with him for God has recreated you all over again in his perfect righteousness. And you now belong to him in the realm of true holiness. So discard every form of dishonesty and lying that you will be known, sorry, so that you will be known as one who always speaks the truth. Do you know what? The world wants the truth at the moment. We don't know what, because social media is saying this and specialists are saying that. The government's saying this and the conspiracy theorists. Whoa, that is just a tornado, that one. You, you don't even want to get close to that tornado. It's, a, it's like a bonfire that if you went to warm your hands by it, it's just going to consume you. But people are getting caught up in that. Don't. Don't get caught up in that. It's all cons. Where was I up to? So discard every form of one. For we all belong to one another. But don't let the passion of your emotions lead you to sin. Don't let anger control you or be fuel for revenge. I I love movies, the revenge movies. You know, the action revenge movies where the good guy gets back at the bad guy and, you know, he wins. I love those. But the reason that I I love those because of the justice involved in it. You know, finally, he he wins. I don't like the, you know, the, the hero that's a... A conflicted guy and he's bad and good at the same time. I don't like those stories. Suicide Squad, yeah, you know. Some people know what I'm talking about. It's all right. Fuel for revenge. Not even 
for a day. Don't give the slanderous accuser, the devil, an opportunity to manipulate you at all. If any one of you has stolen from someone else, never do it again. Instead, be industrious, earning an honest living, and then you'll be, have enough to bless those in need. You won't be one in need stealing. This is the pattern of heaven. Be industrious. Find out what you're on this planet for, what God has made you for. Put your hand to it. You might say, but I don't know. I haven't got it. I haven't. No, there is something within you that makes you spark like nothing else. And you've heard people talk about it. If you, if you do what you love, you'll never work another day in your life. And it's so true. You know, we can get caught up in just making a living that we don't get to live the living. We're just trying to earn a living. And never let ugly or hateful words come out your mouth. What are we meant to say instead of hateful words? Words of healing. Words of healing. From last week, yeah, I know. Thank you for those that said words of love. They thought, which are that? Last week, do you remember? Words of healing. Words of healing. But instead, let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. Now, this is the powerful part. Joel prophesied, the Holy Spirit has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you experience your full salvation. So never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted His holy influence in your life. Even when I've listened to the Holy Spirit and still done what I thought I needed to do and it's turned awry, it's gone south for me it's gone pear-shaped how many more metaphors you know like it's really gone ugly I'm glad that I can come back to the Holy Spirit and say thank you for warning me I'm sorry I didn't listen to you through the to the end I heard your caution my finger let's just use that as an example I've never I haven't used my finger for a while have I for those on podcast I apologize for how that just sounded but um I was working on my um, wood chipper at home and the Holy Spirit, after about four or five hours, said, be careful. And I'm like, yes, very good advice. I'll be careful. So I'm feeding it into the top really efficiently, not putting my fingers anywhere near it because if you go down in there, it's like chonk, 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 chonk. And you don't just lose a finger, you lose limbs. And so I'm feeding them in, but I'm feeding them in so efficiently that it's getting caked up at the bottom. And so I forget about what the Holy Spirit has said about the, the mouth end and I went to the bottom end, not thinking the bottom end still has the same, you know, thing in it, coming out, throwing it out. What's, what's dragging it in is what's throwing it out. It's these big chunks of metal just spinning around on this big flywheel. So I, I kicked it with my foot, not listening to the Holy Spirit, be careful. And, and I've kicked it and I've kicked it and it's not moving. So I grabbed it with my hand and tried to pull away this big cake of of exhaust, of, of all the wood chips and stuff. My first hand, I grabbed it and pulled it away. Second one, I must have hit an air pocket and I've just gone. I'm like, ah. Gloves all ripped to pieces, blood white. I'm looking at pure white and I'm like, that's bone. Oh, Stephen, you've lost it. So I've just folded my glove over. Couldn't feel past here. And I've just put it above my head and just started praying in the spirit, walked inside, said to Chelsea, don't panic. (laughs) 
I've just chopped my finger off. Just chopped my finger off. Um, she goes, what do you need? I said, ice and something to wrap it in. And so she's running around. And I said, oh, and can you get mum? I need to go to the hospital. And um, so while she's doing that, I'm going, thank you, Father. Your mercies are new every morning. Thank you, Father. For great is your faithfulness. The great is your faithfulness. And I think Chelsea said, how are you doing that? And I'm just like, this is not me. This is my spirit now responding. Because I'm just preparing my body for life without a finger. And Kylie said last week when I was speaking, I was pointing with my finger. And she said, wouldn't it look funny if you're like, this is number one. No, that's only half a point. You know, like. But I heard the Holy Spirit so clearly say, be careful. Be careful. You're tired. You're, you're in a routine. Be careful. You're getting familiar with this thing. Be careful. And I, and I didn't listen right through. But he's still here. My finger's still here. He's, I'm getting feeling back. I'm starting to get movement back. Oh, gee, every morning it, it's painful to get that thing moving again. But even when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and, you and you don't appreciate Him, make sure that you do appreciate Him. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity and insults, but instead be kind and affectionate towards one another. Has, God's grace, has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. Chelsea just talked about it before. You know, how wide, how deep, the, the breadth, the width, the depth, and the height. The breadth and the, the width, the depth, and the height. That's four dimensions. It's not just three dimensions that we're talking about. There's four dimensions. There's another dimension to the love of God that we miss. And it's that dimension of riding in that, flowing in that. Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. I want to pray for you right now. That the swords and the spears in your life will be swords that you use on yourself to cut off that dead stuff just like the pruning hooks are to just trim it off just prune it off and it's not about losing stuff it's about the fruit that's coming in the new season it's about what's coming around the corner we're going but I want it now I want a miraculous thing God says I'm a God of seasons I'm a God of sowing and reaping you know I can just do it instantaneously I can just take Aaron's staff and when it's stuck in the ground I can produce on it just leaves and buds and full fruit I can do all that. But God says, I want you to choose in the valley of decision. I want you to make a choice to use my word and to operate in love. If you're able to stand, can you just stand with me? Thank you, Father, for your word. Lord, your word is so good. Father, thank you for your promises that, have in, that endure through all generations. Your faithfulness. We can trust you with our whole being, how awesome you are, Lord. Father, I thank you for the revelation, even though I have not brought it out in anywhere to its fullness this morning. Father, I just thank you for the words that I've spoken, that I've 
I've channeled what you wanted me to say. I've, I've been a vessel for you this morning. But Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're our comforter. You're our nurturer. You're our instructor. You reveal things. You give us conviction in our life. I thank you for the rhema word right now. Man does not live by bread alone, but by rhema, a fresh word from God. I thank you for the fresh word that you're speaking right now, the fresh word that's going to flow this, this week, the transformations that are going to come out of our lives, that we're going to be walking, not looking for miracles, but we're going to be walking in the miraculous. Just as your word said, that there'll be signs and wonders in the last days. Father, Begin with us. Let our lives be signs. Let our lives be wonders as we operate in the fullness of the depth of Christ's love in everything that we do, in everything that we are, to one another. Father, I thank you for the household of faith. I thank you for the body of Christ across the planet right at the moment, especially here in Australia. Father, I thank you for your fresh encounters, for those who've encountered the anointed one. Right now, I thank you for fresh encounters. Thank you for fresh rain, new wine, new oil, new grain. Father, I thank you for the promises that are in, in your word. Rain in season. Speak rain in season over each life, the soil of each life. Thank you for new wine, new oil, new grain. Oh, and Lord, I thank you for that overflow of love in our life. Holy Spirit, remind us, remind us to be vessels of love, of grace, of favour. Love those words this morning. Of truth. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come. We want to see your will be done. We want to see it here on earth. We want to see it in our governments and we want to see it in the, our communities. But you want to see it in us. You want to see it outworked its fullness in us. May we be open vessels of your river of life. May we be open vessels of your love, of your peace, of your joy to our communities. Thanks for joining today. If you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church, head to our website, riveredgechurch.com.au.